Welcome to the New Mana Podcast, an Arch KCK production. Welcome back to New Mana, your newest favorite Catholic podcast on the Holy Eucharist. This is your host, Lee McMahon, and I serve as consultant for evangelization at the Archdiocese of Kansas City in Kansas. But do not be fooled if you've got a pulse, this podcast is for you. If you are hungry for more, if you are fed up with the empty promises of the world, Jesus has more for you. We have been called to communion in Christ. We have been given the mission of bringing revival to the church. So get ready for an awesome episode today. But before I introduce, I want to say thank you to everybody out there who has left a review on Apple Podcasts. You're helping us get the word out that Jesus is alive, that he's about a good work, and he is truly present, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Holy Eucharist. You're actually helping us show up higher on search results when people are looking for things pertaining to faith. So thank you if you have done that. And guess what? If you haven't, there's still time. Just don't do it while you're driving. Cool. So I'm sitting in a very, very small room with a very, very cool and awesome man, Father Anthony Willett. How you doing, Father? I'm doing well. Thank you for the invitation. Thanks for being on. For everybody who doesn't have the privilege of knowing you, who is Father Anthony? Well, I'm the sixth of seven children, born to my mother and my father, uh, born in Western Massachusetts, moved to Kansas with my father's job when I was three, um, kind of grew up here in Kansas on 10 acres of land in a log cabin that we built when I was seven years old. No way. Yeah. Where? In, you said McPherson? Uh, um, Prin- right? Princeton. Princeton. Princeton, oh, Kansas. Okay. It was like 350 people in the town and we lived outside of the town, you know, it's a little too crowded inside. Sure. So a nice log cabin, 10 acres of land, grew up just, yeah, that was my my refuge out yeah. there. Played sports in high school. Decided to go into the military right out of high school. Uh, my dad had joined the Air Force out of high school when he grew up in northern Maine. Learned electronics, got out, got a job working electronics for Southwestern Bell, then AT&T. Um, my older brother had gone into the Air Force as well, learned electronics. An uncle worked in electronics. Brother-in-law's electronics, so I was like, yep, I'm going to go learn electronics, serve my country, spend six years in the Navy, get out, get a good job, and find a nice Catholic girl, fall in love, and get married. Mm. So, And that happened. Yeah. Well, it did. She was older than me, a lot older, like literally <laughs> hundreds of years older than me and had a lot of children. She was Almost 2,000 years yeah. older. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, she had a bunch of kids, and yeah. it was like, whoa, this is a lot. Can can I Can I marry you? And- can we do this? And it was like, yeah, I think we can. So that was Beautiful. good. We're, we're being nuanced here, but we're referring to the church is what we're doing. So. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. And being funny about it because it, it really is beautiful. Um, I had a dear friend uh, that I worked in youth ministry with when I got out of the Navy. Um, I was discerning priesthood, but was still unsure about diocesan and religious order. And so I in the confusion, I said, okay, I'm just going to go to college for a year. And so during the summer, I was like, I'm going to work youth ministry. And hmm. um, asked my mom and dad, like, they're okay. And like, yep. You know, so I worked youth ministry and a friend, we went to World Youth Day in Rome. And prior to me going, she had, she had been praying for me. And I didn't know what the prayer was that she was asking, but she knew me. And she said, Lord, if Anthony is supposed to be married, please show him his bride now because I don't want him to get years into seminary and then meet this person and be like right. torn. She just right. like out of compassion for him, out of my love for him. Cause he gets so intensely passionate about things. I don't want him to have that heartache. Like show him his bride now, if he's going to get married. Mm-hmm. And, um, 
I had a powerful, powerful experience in Rome for that World Youth Day 2000. Uh, Pope Saint John Paul II was uh, the Pope at the time and was there with uh, like 2.2 million Casual. of my closest friends, the right. body of Christ, the church, all showed up um, on this tour of regatta outside of Rome in this valley and were gathered for the celebration of Mass with the Holy Father that was going to take place the next morning. Uh, it was strange because everybody was staying up and they're like, you know, they're singing praise and worship music and they're doing things. And mm -hmm. I was, but I was just like disturbed. I didn't know what mm -hmm. it was. It was just like, I don't know what's going on. So I'm going to go to bed. Yeah. So I took my contacts out, rolled over on this in, you know, in my sleeping bag and went to bed and was woken up at like, I don't know, three thirty, four o'clock in the morning. Mm. I was like, okay, it's way too early to be up, so I'm going to go back to sleep. And I was like, no, you ain't going to sleep. Mm. So I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm not going back to sleep. So I put my contacts in, and it's like 2.2 million people sleeping mm -hmm. on the ground. And I was like, well, I guess I'll take a walk. So I, I, I threw a blanket over my shoulders, and I found the stick that was laying there, and I picked it up. And mm. here I am. I got, you know, blanket over my shoulders, stick in my hand and I'm just walking through 2.2 million people. Mm. And all of a sudden, like, I was just thinking about Moses and I was like, Lord, and I, yeah. personal reflection on my part. I'm like, I can't do this. I can't do this. I said, look at all of these people. Yeah. I can't, I can't care for them. I can't, I can't be a priest for them. I mm. can't do this. And it, but I was just reflecting on Moses complaining against God, you know, it's yeah. like, well, not against him, but, you know, just complaining, realizing the the immensity mm -hmm. of the work that was ahead of him and what God was asking him to do and asking him to do for his people. And so I was just kind of in that. And then, you know, this realization, I was there and walking and I, I was like, you know, tomorrow, tomorrow it's, it's not going to be manna that comes down from mm. heaven like it, it's it's like bread and wine is going to be changed into the body and blood soul and divinity of jesus christ mm. we we the fulfillment of what was echoed for the people in the manna mm -hmm. from heaven it's like wow like and in this hilltop they, they'd kind of basically built a, the the stage and all of that stuff mm -hmm. and so it kind of looked like a you know like a hilltop of yeah. the thing that was everybody could see it and everything I was like, and then on that, like the presence of God is going to come and be manifest. And it's not the 12 tribes that are going to be unified in this moment. It's literally going to be every nation on earth. Mm -hmm. And I could look out over this valley of 2.2 million people and you could see the flags that different groups of yeah. different countries had placed in the ground and, you know, all these different flags from Europe that I recognized and some that I didn't and mm -hmm. things, but flags from all over the world. God had drawn 2.2 million of the body of mm. Christ to this place. And he was going to unite them in the spirit and in the body. Mm. And it was like, wow, this is, this is incredible. This is incredible. And so I was walking through 2.2 million people and all of a sudden I look over and it sounds kind of creepy, you know, at the time, Middle of the night. you know, well, yeah, walking around and look and see, and I think if I remember correctly, it was a religious sister, but mm. a very young religious sister. And she was laying on the ground asleep. And I, and I looked over and I, I saw her and I was like, wow, Lord. I'm like, 
and I, and I, I had this, this profound experience of like, where I was sensing the love of God, uh, for his bride, the church. Mm. And I was like, look at your bride. Mm. Like, look how beautiful she is. She's asleep on the ground. Look at your bride. And I was like, he took his hand, he smacked me in the back of the head, you know, I was like, Anthony, this is the person that you will give your life for. Mm. And all of a sudden it went from just this one person, this one sister that was laying on the ground and it just opened up and it was like, everyone was drawn into yeah. that moment. And here I am like 2.2 million people. And it was the bride of Christ laying there on the ground asleep. So loved, mm -hmm. so incredibly loved by the Lord. And I was like, Lord, this is your bride, not mine. And he goes, I know it's mine, but you will give your life for her. And he just, he gave me this, this, it was, it was mm. a moment. It was a grace. It was a, an intimacy of the moment of grace to see in her how he sees her. Mm. And for the next couple hours, I walked through 2.2 million people asleep on the ground, just completely filled with the love of God for his bride, the church. Mm. And then as I, everything concluded that morning, we, we got ready for mass. And I remember the one moment um, when the, use the bells ring. If you use bells for the church, the, the bells ring to signal to people it's time to kneel right in the old, in the old thing in the United States, we, <clears throat> we kneel after the Holy, Holy, but the first ringing of the bell during the time of the calling down the Holy spirit was to signal people. Now's the time to kneel. And, you know, we were mm. in there, we're all standing 2.2 million people standing. And all of a sudden you hear this bell go bang, mm. bang, and 2.2 million people fall to their knees. Mm. It was, I mean, it just like sucked the breath out of you. It was wow. so powerful of a moment. Um, Pope John Paul says the words of consecration. Uh, we, you know, continue with the mass, mm. all these things. We get up, time for communion. Car pulls up um, behind us because we were next to one of the roads. Guy jumps out, extraordinary minister of Holy Communion. Yeah. Boom, umbrella comes up, like boom, sets up right next to us. And was mm -hmm. like, this is awesome, right? Communion's right here, right? Where do you I get in line, I'm like 10 people back. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm i like, I step up and then it's like, you know, was, I don't know what language the guy was speaking. Mm -hmm. I don't know if he's speaking English or Latin, Corpus Christi, Corpus Christi. But I stepped up and all of a sudden I felt like this water run down my cheek. And I was like, and I wiped it off. And I was just water on my hand. I looked up like, are there clouds? Mm -hmm. It's like a raindrop or something. And all of a sudden, like, whoosh, whoosh, and I'm like, just touching my cheeks. And I'm like, where is this water coming from? Mm. And every, you know, every second next person went in line, got in line. As I got closer and closer, all of a sudden, I, these tears were just pouring out of my mm. eyes. And I stepped up, um, I stepped up in front of the person distributing communion and they held up the host in front of me and said, you know, Corpus Christi. And um, when I was a kid, they used to have these old picture books, uh, like uh, cartoon things where it's like stick figure and mm -hmm. you flip them and you could see the cartoon character running, mm -hmm. you know, so it's like a flip book. Yep. And it was like, it was like there was a flip book in front of the Eucharist and it just flipped and every single thing from the dawn of creation until mm -hmm. that present moment flashed before me 
as I'm staring at the Eucharist, it, and I, this thought to myself, it's mm. all real. It's all true. Wow. And I said, amen. And I could, by that time I could hardly even see, cause I was so many tears. And mm. I said, amen, received the Eucharist, went back and knelt down. And I was just weeping profoundly. Mm. And I remember my poor younger brother, he's like nine years younger than me. Mm. He was on the, the trip with me and he was like 16 at the time. Mm-hmm. And he comes up and he throws his arm around me. He's like, it's okay. It's all right. It's That's all cute. right. That's and cute. I was like, brother, I love you, but leave me alone. Yeah. <laughs> I'm with Jesus right now. Just leave me alone. I love yeah. you, but you have no idea what these tears are about. It was so much joy. Um, yeah. And why? I don't know. Yeah. But it just, this graced moment, like, mm. <laughs> like it, God is what God's not going to show up when 2.2 million people pilgrimage from around the world in order to be together yeah. and to celebrate what yeah. Jesus Christ has done. Mm-hmm. You know, Christ the same today, yesterday, and forever. Mm-hmm. You know, like like this reality of proclaiming who Jesus Christ is and our faith in him, like he's not going to show up. Oh my gosh. I've, rem- I've talked to a lot of people that just randomly like, I was, I was there. Mm. I was at World Youth Day in Rome in 2000. Really? I was there too. Yeah, that that's really where that moment of conversion or that moment of like my vocation really yeah. came aside. and just multiple, multiple people. Like there's, there was a bunch of people I knew that were there, but didn't know them at the time. Yeah. But now I know they were there as well. Mm. And grace happened in that moment. And wow. yeah, I, I kind of actually kind of forgot all about that. And I wasn't even going to share that, yeah. but yeah, it was just beautiful. The similarities with Moses are off the charts. I'm just thinking like <sighs> if you're walking with a stick, you've got a cloak on you. Moses was doing the same thing, shepherding his flock. You know, father-in-law Jethro just hanging out and the Lord appeared to him. Yeah. The Lord spoke. Wow. And it's, and I mean, and, and, and when we, if we think in human terms, like just the feeding of 2.2 million people, I mean, there was like water and all this stuff and everything. Jesus showed up yeah. and gave what was radically sufficient, radically sufficient. Yeah. And it could have been the smallest fragment and it wouldn't have mattered because it would have been totally him. And it was radically sufficient to meet the needs of every single person that approached him in faith in that moment. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I'm going to meet you there. I'm going to meet you there. And because you've pilgrimaged, that's the beauty of pilgrimage, Right. right that the leaving behind of everything to expose my weakness, to expose you know, all the stuff to come and to come with a hope and a desire to encounter the Lord. Yeah. And yeah. With that hunger. Was not disappointed. Right. Was not disappointed. Yeah, he always shows up for sure. Uh, when, yeah. we, when we come to him hungry, when we come to him with faith and um, in faith, he always provides, always. So it sounds like you had a pretty, to say the least, a pretty profound encounter with the Lord um, when you were in Rome there. And it wasn't necessarily something that you solicited even. It was just you woke up, which is also super reminiscent of (laughs) how many Old Testament figures like being woken by the Lord in the middle of the night um, in the quiet, in in the still. Let me draw the connection. So I I mentioned a friend that was praying for me, right? Right. And she was praying for me before I left Rome. And so I came back and I recount this whole story to her. Mm -hmm. And at that moment, she was like, you have no idea. 
and she started crying. And I said, I oh, know it's a beautiful <laughs> story, right? That's why you got tears. And she goes, you have no idea. And then she confessed. I, that's the only word I can think sure. of. Confessed to me that she had been praying for me to meet my future wife. Hmm. And, and I was telling her about this encounter of seeing the bride of Christ right. there, you know, asleep on the ground and the intimacy of that moment and how profound it was for me. Mm. And, and she just like, she just kept saying over and over, she's like, I had no idea. Mm. I had no idea. And I'm mean, a good, faithful Catholic woman. Right. You know, I had no idea. I had no idea. And I was like, wow, be careful what you pray for me in the future, please. Yeah. Like, <laughs> let me give me some heads up on that. Cause that was, but I know it for me, mm. that particularly the verbiage, the, the imagery, this is your bride. Mm -hmm. No, Lord, this is your bride. He's like, this is who you will give your life for. Mm. She's worthy of it. Mm. She, she's worthy of it. She's worthy of the gift that is given. Right. I have jokingly said to people, because sometimes people, gosh, they don't understand the priesthood. And, and I get it. I get it. I mean, it, it took seven years for me being in formation to understand the priesthood sure. well enough to be able to say yes for this commitment for the rest of my life. But Sometimes people, they pity me, you know, like, oh, I'm so sorry, Father, that the church asked you to do this. Mm. And, and I just want to like, what are you talking about? Right. Do not pity me. Yeah. Um, do you understand the gift that I get to give to people? Mm -hmm. um, I said, and, and they'll say, well, you know, didn't you want to have children? Don't you want to get married? I'm like, of course I did. Yeah. They think that because you came, became a priest that you like somehow hate children mm. and, and you get that as the parish, you know, and like their kids and the kids crying. I'm like, here, I'll take them, you know, yeah. and they're like, what? And I'm like holding the kid and the kid quiets down. I'm like, I'm kind of a baby whisperer. I got like 23 nephews and nieces, nice. you know, like 26 great nieces and nephews. Now they're coming so fast. I don't even, I can't even put a number on them. Yeah. But, but it's just beautiful because like, that's a part of my life. Like always like holding my nieces and nephews and, and caring for them. I'm a baby whisperer. I love children because their innocence and the purity of their heart, mm. what they're feeling, what they're thinking is right there. You don't have, yep. there's no duplicity in them. And that's such, it's so refreshing to be around and your children. Beard's pretty disarming too. I'm sure they're It like, is. They kind of like Santa oh, Claus. I can, I can play uh, with that. Yeah. That's and then they, new? until they grip their hands into it and like yank, yep. yank, yank. But, uh, yeah, I don't even know where I was going with that. Baby but, whisperer. Yeah. Your but, people, oh, yeah. the people saying that, you know, you didn't, you don't, you don't like children because that's why you became a priest. Right. And I was like, you're absolutely wrong. Yeah. I said, I said, if, if all I was handing out is bread and wine, you would never, ever have me as a priest. Because Let's go. it ain't worth it. I mean, all of the good things that I get to do, as a priest, you know, uh, to baptize, to your confessions. But, but if all I was handing out was bread and wine, I would have never said yes to the priesthood. Yeah. I said, but the, the good, and this, this is the good, the good of married life, the good of a particular mm. person that you pour your life into. And from that gift of self, you desire life to come forth right. from the gift of yourself because you're dying to yourself it's and you want, end, yeah. you want life to come from that death. And it's like, there's something so good about that, that mm. the only way that I would be able to say, and, and an offering of that to the Lord is, is, is if this is not just bread and wine and that it actually becomes something so much more it's it's worthy of it mm -hmm. it's there's how could you if and i say if 
I mean, as a Catholic priest, I believe yeah. with all my being that, that, that bread and that wine truly become the body and blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. And we'll talk more about that. I got all sorts of stories to talk about that. Sure. But it's just that, that gift is worthy of, yeah, of the gift of my life. Yeah. It's, it's worth it. And, and, and for the people that give me a hard time, they're like, oh, I'm so sorry for this. Like, I don't think you know the gift that Jesus wants to give to you. Mm. If you knew it, you wouldn't pity me. And you would, you would just bless the Lord for me and say, yeah. Father, I'm so glad that God called you to be a priest and that grace came into your life that you were able to say yes. Yeah. Cause, cause it means so much to me and I appreciate the gift. I'm like, I, I'm just like time for catechesis here, time for yeah. catechesis yeah. in their life. You don't know the gift that you receive or you would never pity me. Yeah. And it's kind of a Samaritan woman moment. You know, it's like, if you knew, <clears throat> If you knew who it was with whom you were speaking, yeah, you would ask me for a drink. I can share a story. Um, so I was ordained on January twenty fourth of two thousand and six at the cathedral. January is kind of weird. Uh, not January. Oh, June. Oh. June twenty fourth. Cool. June twenty fourth, two thousand and six. Uh, the feast day of the birthday of John the Baptist, which nice. was super cool. Yeah, I was super stoked about that. And that year, it was also it overlapped with the Immaculate Heart of Mary. So it's, a, it's a, like a double, yeah, well, it's a solemnity yeah. because it's a John the Baptist. Right. Day, but, it, yeah. but that was also the first Saturday following the Sacred Heart. So yeah. because it's movable and they were both that, right. I was like, that's perfect. Right. And, and fun fact for listeners out there, solemnity is like a super feast day. Yeah. So think about like a feast day, you know, you have your favorite saint, they have a feast day. Solemnity is like a super feast day mm -hmm. pertaining to Our Lady, pertaining to John the Baptist and, um, you yeah. know, and Christ obviously, himself. yeah, obviously to Jesus himself. Yeah. So um, I'm ordained to celebrate my first mass at my home parish. And then uh, some religious sisters and brothers that I had met in Rome had come for my ordination. And so I was going to hang with them for like a month mm. and go on mission with them, uh, begging and evangelizing and stuff like that. And so we ended up um, squatting <laughs> in, at the Sanctuary of Hope, which was a retreat center downtown Kansas City at the time. And Monday morning, I find myself after like a huge celebration on Saturday yeah. with all these other priests and the archbishop, huge celebration on Sunday with all the family and my home parish. Monday, I find myself early in the morning celebrating mass for the first time by myself mm. in the sense of being the only priest there right. with three brothers and three sisters, uh, religious brothers and sisters. Yeah. And so we're there and, you know, celebrating the mass and I preach and then we get to the part of the the words of, of consecration and I'm, and I'm holding this bread in front of me and I'm looking at it and I say the words of consecration and I see nothing. I feel nothing. I sense nothing. And I'm sitting there and inside this, this monologue is going on in my head going, I was ordained. I, yeah. I know I, I was there. It was like two days ago. I, I was there. I was, I was, I was there. ordained. <laughs> um, but at that moment, like, I, I, I guess I just had presumed and, and see this funny. It's like, I, this didn't happen the two days before because I was there with the bishop and mm -hmm. I was there with all my brother priests who I knew were priests, all right? The smells and bells, you know, and, and I was, and, but, but I knew they were priests. So yeah. I had confidence in their priesthood. I see. Right. And on Sunday, I was there with a bunch of concelebratings, even though it was a principal celebrant. It was like, yeah, so, you know, Father so-and-so's here, Father so-and-so's mm -hmm. here. I'm like, I know they're ordained. But I was there by myself yeah. as the, was in the sense I was there as the only priest. 
And I said the words of consecration and there was nothing. I didn't feel anything. I didn't see anything. I didn't sense anything. And I was like, okay. And I held up the hosts and I brought the host down and I grabbed the chalice and I said the, the words of consecration for the, for the wine. Didn't see anything. Didn't feel anything. I guess I had always assumed mm. that, that there would be a sixth sense that the priest would get in Sens- his ordination. Sensational. Some sensation that, that yeah. would confirm right. this truth. And I was like, darn, <laughs> I was wrong. Because mm. I felt nothing. And I held up the chalice and I put it down and then, you know, the finished the, the words of the Eucharistic prayer. And then we went into the Our Father and then coming into the preparation for receiving communion. And man, it's dark. Mm. I mean, it is so dark in my heart in that moment. I'm just like, Lord, mm. I, I just, I don't get it. I don't get it, you know? And so then I, I received communion. And I come around the altar to distribute communion to the the brothers and the sisters, and I and I get there and I'm I'm wrecked inside. I don't, I don't yeah. know what's going on. And I hold up the host, and the first little sister comes up, and I said the body of Christ, and she says, "Amen." Mm. And there's this huge smile on her face, and she's just radiating joy, mm. and she says, "Amen." And immediately in my heart, I was like, "She believes." Mm. Like, like not, not that she doesn't, that she believes in the real presence of Jesus, but, but, but it's connected that, that, that I'm, I'm really a priest. Right. Like it did happen. She believes this. And like some of that darkness lifted. And then I took the next host and I, there's like yeah. this great anticipation of like, what will she say? Right. And the next sister walked up and I said, the body of Christ. And she said, amen. With just mm. this yeah. joyful heart and gusto. And I was like, she believes too. And like with right. every, every one of the six amens to the question, body of Christ, six amens. And by the sixth person, when I, when I placed Jesus, when I handed them Jesus in the Eucharist, the darkness left. Mm. I mean, it, it slowly left each with each right. amen. And on that sixth one, like six days, it lifted. And those, <laughs> those uh, six and a half minutes were the darkest six and a half minutes of my entire priesthood. Mm. And it was day three but I have never since that day to now ever doubted what took place with me and my ordination right. to be able to call down the Holy spirit upon mere bread and wine so that Jesus could make present to his bride, the church, his body and blood that she would be nourished and cared wow. for and know that she is loved. And it was, it was such a beautiful, like me leaning on the faith of, of someone else. It's such a beautiful witness to church, what it means to be church and to walk this together. Um, but I needed those six witnesses that day. I couldn't imagine had I yeah. had any other thing. And as again, grace, God's plan and For all sure. of this. But from that day till now, I've, I've never doubted that I am who I am, Yeah, you know, and the grace of God and the call on my life. Yeah. But it was, it was so necessary for mm. me to see their faith. And their yeah. belief that this really took place and that, yeah, yeah that I was actually a priest. <laughs> their, their witness, you know, their, their yes, their amen, their I believe, their testament of faith strengthened yours. Yeah. That's the beauty of the body. Yeah. That's the beauty of the body of Christ and how uh, providential that it happened for you day three. Yeah. Right? And yeah. not like day 3,000. Yeah. Thank goodness. Yeah. Yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah. So... 
it sounds like you, you well, I'm going to stop trying to summarize it with my fallenness. So take me to today, you know, you, you, you're ordained, you, I mean, you're a priest. Um, people kind of see priests. I think sometimes it's like unicorns, but I think you've done a really good job of just demonstrating how, how normal and, and human you are. So what does your relationship with Jesus look like today in the Eucharist? Yeah, it, um, 17 years as a priest, it's getting to the point and, and uh, gosh, I'm just going to speak the truth. Yeah. And, um, but it really, it feels now it's personal. Hmm. Gosh, I'm stumbling because it's such an incredible thing. I'll, I'll tell the story and great. we'll get into great. it now, but it's, it's crazy. When I was first ordained and the words of institution, right? The words of consecration, right. the, this is my body. Take it all of you and eat it. This is my blood. Um, at first, you know, it was like, as in my zeal as a young John Paul II generation yep. priest, you know, I'm going to say this perfectly and so we use hope. the words yeah. and, and all these things, but these are Jesus's words. So they, they, they deserve all of the respect in the world, mm -hmm. right? So this invitation, these are Jesus's words. These are Jesus's words. And I'm like, this is beautiful. I get to speak Jesus's words in first person. Yep. Take this, all of you. I'm like, wow, that's, that's incredible. So what kind of reverence should I have when I say these words? What kind of respect should I have? Mm. These are Jesus's words to convey that to the people. Jesus is speaking to you yeah. and he's using my voice. What a what an incredible privilege, right? So, th so that went on for a number of years, like just this, this pious hope of holding on to those words. And then at a certain point, Jesus said to me in prayer, he's like, okay, Anthony, he's like, but these are your words. And I'm like, what are you talking about? They're my words. Pretty uncomfortable. And he's to like, that. He's <laughs> like um, that, that makes me very uncomfortable for you to say that. He's right. like, these are your words. And I was like, oh, well, that's, that's cool. I mean, like you know, they've been your words only in mm -hmm. my heart, but yeah, I guess they are my words, mm. you know, take this all of you and eat of it. This is my body, which will be given up for you. Like, I mean, like I, I see that, right? I mean, I consecration, you know, yeah. uh, as a priest, it's like, yeah, I, I've given up certain things. Like, I mean, I've given this for you. And I was like, wow, cool. You know? And so like that mm. started a whole new, like three or so years of just reflecting every time celebrating the mass when it came to those words, like, wow. hey, these are my words too. Like, Anthony, these are your words. Like, this is my, these are my words to be given as well. Can I ask was, you a question? Yeah. Every time a man and a woman reconsummate their marriage well, in the marriage bed, like it's a, it's a renewal of the marriage vows. It's a, it's a renewal of the covenant made with one another in, in the presence of God and in, in the eyes of God. So my question for you is, is it, would it be equivalent? And this, this could be an apples to oranges kind of deal. And please correct me. But, but is it, is it analogous? Would you say, or priests when they consecrate the Eucharist, that there's a, a certain level of renewal of vows because you are in the person of Christ. Right. I don't know if that, does that make sense or? It does. It absolutely makes sense. I, it's interesting though, because the fullest invitation of the celebration, the mass for the people of God mm -hmm. would in fact, I think be the full renewal of everyone's baptism. Mm. And, and so I experience, I experience first of all, a renewal of my baptism as I participate in the Eucharist, because 
because it's it's operating as the bride who has been washed clean by the, <clears throat> by the blood of the lamb, the, the bride who has been filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And now in that posture of redemption and transformation that is a part of us to enter fully into the heart of Jesus and there, how can I make a return to the Lord for all that he has done for me? Mm. I know what I'll do. I'll take the cup of salvation and I will call upon the name of the Lord. And so it's like in that moment of Eucharist, it's the drawing of the community into the renewal of all of that grace that is. And so for me as a priest in particular, you know, yes, I, I would say that it's to be conscious and aware of the promises and vows that I've made, that this is the moment in which, in which that is, is renewed. Right. Because, because after those three years, you know, that's where like nine, 10 years into the priesthood, you know, um, I, one day I was like, okay, you know, and Jesus is like, okay, now, <laughs> now he goes, they are our words. Mm. I was, whoa, whoa, sure. whoa. Okay. So first they were your words uh, and then they're my words. But now you're telling me they're our words. Mm. And, and I mean, it seems obvious. I mean, an English person, you know, an English speaker sitting there going, well, yes, you know, that's uh, <laughs> yours, mine, ours. Uh, you know, we're just going grammar. through the diagram, right? right? This is grammar. But in that moment, like the realization that overwhelmed me that this, this reality of I never, early on in priesthood, I always thought it was like, hey, um, I'm kind of working for Jesus, mm. right? Like, He's the boss man, yep. you know, I'm this, I'm, I'm a wolf that he made a, a German shepherd out of, you know, right. like I'm, I'm, he's the main shepherd. I'm a sheep dog, you know, kind of like, you know, barking at the sheep and keeping them in line and doing things and stuff, but I couldn't mm. work for him. I, I never understood without living it, the conformity to Jesus that was being asked of me. Mm. It's not, it's not, I'm working for the man like literally an invitation to conformity with him. And I just say that with all, all humility that he's like, these are our words, mm. Anthony. These are our words. Yes, they are mine. And yes, they are yours, but they're ours. Like you and I, we are so like, I want you so conformed to me that my father is your father. Baptism, right? Mm -hmm. My mom is your mom, mm -hmm. you know, like, like, uh, my spirit is your spirit. Um, you know, my death upon the cross is your death upon the cross. My resurrection is your, and like the intimacy of it all. But in this moment of like, in a particular way called from the church to serve the church in that moment, my vocation broken open to embody for the bride of Christ that she might see physically her bridegroom yeah. being faithful to her. And, and I'm just sitting there going, these are ours. Mm. And I'm like, I never imagined the intimacy that you wanted with me being so. Mm. And it's just, um, yeah, it's there in the Eucharist. It's there in our breaking open. It's there in our celebration. Mm. And he desired it first, right? I mean, it's this, like, God's the first mover in all things, and he, he desired yeah. this. Yeah, I didn't even know I wanted that. Right. He was like, 
These are ours. Yeah. All that the Father has is mine. Um, yeah, it's and, ours. I, and, and part of it is like, I wouldn't even have dared yeah. to presume that. And rightly so. And good, right? Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. That's proper oh, humility, this is, I think. this is mine. Right. <laughs> but it's just like, I wouldn't even have dared yeah. to have stated that. Mm. For some reason, in Come Holy Spirit, this is coming to mind, is the concept of perish, the word perish. Um, it comes from Greek, which basically the word is just to be a parish is to be one who has been called out of uh, the world. So like a parish is a place that has been called out of the world. It is a people that has been called out of the world. It's a community that has been called out of the world, kind of like an alien, like someone who is not in their native land. So that's what that word means. And as parishioners, we are, uh, we are those who have been called out of the world and we actually are in an alien land. We are in an alien status, um, this side of the veil. And I'm, I'm just, it's beautiful because as, as priest, you are shepherd, you are pastor, you're steward of the old bunch of aliens. Yeah. And that when the Lord says, these are our words, you know, I'm sure he looks to you and he says, these are our people. Like, these are my people. These are our people, my children, my brothers and my sisters, my friends, and yet you're able to say, uh, to stand in his place, not as a means of replacement. Absolutely. Um, but as a means of participation in, um, because there is only one priest. Yes. And your priesthood is a participation in his priesthood. Not to put words in your mouth. I think this is the teaching of the church. No heresy alert here. Um, it's <laughs> yeah. just beautiful to think and, and to see it, uh, on your face. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, it, I, you know, and, and it's funny cause I, it, I just think <laughs> now I'm, I'm going to turn 50 come February this year and, um, 17 years as a priest. And I'm thinking when I have these epiphany moments, I'm like, what was I doing? Three years mm -hmm. ordained. Like, how was I living this? Not fully understanding this. I mean, and, and sure. you know, it's mystery. So it's like an, like an ogre, right. Or like an onion, right. It's this layers. You mm -hmm. need to pull back the layers yeah. and get deeper and deeper into it. But it, I just sit there and I go, how did I function? Right. Cause this just seems to like have moved the whole earth for me. Yeah. And this one little thing that you said, Lord, that opened it up. And then, and then three years later, something else happens that just opens it up. And like, yeah. how did I not see this mm -hmm. before? And yet, and yet in my humanity, he's like, yeah, that's good though. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're young. Right. And I'm thinking, you know, by the time God willing, I'm, you know, 50 years ordained and, and, you know, hunched over and white hair, if hair, um, your beard's like twice as long and, and it just, I'm like yeah. shuffling to the altar mm. and kiss the altar and turn around and say, the Lord be with you. You know, yeah. it's like, what will it be mm. for me in that moment? Because yeah. I, I did the math once. Okay. So like 17 years as a priest, 365 days, more than likely at least mass once a day, sometimes twice with funerals, sometimes a wedding, uh, a couple of times on the weekend, right. uh, holy days of obligation. And basically each year, you know, you could chalk up 400 celebrations of the Eucharist. 400 times. Yeah. And then multiply that times 17. And you're like, 
how in the world does that not get old? Mm-hmm. You say the exact, and I'm, yeah, I've just chose to use the same, uh, same Eucharistic prayer. You've never, you've I, never I, 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 in the early, early, early days I did. Um, and then the translation changed Yeah, and I was like, I just love this translation. Can you explain to people that? Um, so yeah. So in 2010, you know, they revised the, the missile, the, the book of prayers that we've been using since Vatican II, the council that changed, uh, allowed the liturgy to be celebrated in the vernacular. They came out in 1974 with that finally like official translation because they had been modifying it That's all funny. along. That's funny. Nine years after the close of the council, they're like, we finally translated the mess. Right. And here's <laughs> here it is, you know, in its, in its totality. When 1974, I was like, well, cool. That's the year I was born. Hey, I'm like, hey, there you go. Rock on, you know, it's, it's good. Good things happen. 1974. So like years go by and they're like working on translation. They're working mm-hmm. on translation, working on revising the translation. Well, sure. that doesn't really match what it says in the line. You know, I get 50 years of praying it mm. so that then they can come to a nice fuller translation. And so, yeah, in 2010, they came up with a new translation cool. and there's just some beautiful elements in Eucharistic prayer number one. And there's I, four, I, four options. Uh, there's, there's, Is there's actually... Is there more? more. I mean, there's four that are general, and then you got two, really? two that are reconciliation, and then oh. then some other ones. The Swiss canon got improved for abuse of you know other things oh. and stuff. So there's several different okay. masses that can be used. Those Eucharistic prayers, they, they all have the same elements in them and gotcha. things like that. But Eucharistic prayer number one, um, yeah, I've just, I've just, yeah, and and but to every day, saying those words, mm. and I would expect that it would get old. You know, it would just become old. But again, there's something, there's something of the mystery that's there. There's something of the mm-hmm. miracle of what takes place. And I guess it, it would be exactly the same way of a married couple. Cause I know that my mom and dad married almost 60 years when my dad passed. He would say the same thing, you know, mm-hmm. I love you, Veronica. I love you, Veronica, yeah. but you know, after 56 years and 20 some grandchildren and so many great grandchildren and, and struggle and bills and work and prayer and all of that, that at that time, I love you, Veronica said so much more yeah. than I love you, Veronica, the day after they were married. Yeah. And so I, I'm assuming, you know, that's the kind of growth that would take place in the heart, hopefully in the heart of every priest yeah. as they enter into that celebration more and more yeah, and just find their home there, find their identity there. I was thinking about comparing what you were saying to like going to the optometrist. It's like one or two, one or two, <laughs> one or two. But I think a, an even yeah. more beautiful and accurate representation is the blossoming of a flower. Yeah. It's that, you know, at the beginning it's, it's still a flower, mm-hmm. you know, two petals out, it's still a flower. Yeah. It's still beautiful. It still smells nice. It's still pink or red or whatever your favorite color is. I don't know. But by the end, it's fully open and fully blossoming. And yeah, I don't know. Just like this, these, there's the, it's like dimensions open up yep. that we weren't aware of that even existed when we first said our yes, our faithful yes, I will, I will. Um, yeah, I love that about, it's one of the cool things about the human condition that we, um, as we get to participate in the life of God on this side of the veil, he, he continues to romance us. And even with the most common and ordinary things, which I'm sure after time, kind of what you're pointing to is the, 
these prayers, this act, this sacrifice um, becomes more ordinary as opposed to maybe extraordinary in the beginning. I don't know, but um, well, yeah, I, and it, that, I mean, yeah. you see the same kind of parallel, like, so the, the lectionary, the, the book that establishes like on said day of said calendar year, mm-hmm. these are the readings that are going to be proclaimed in your church for the celebration of the Eucharist of so the mass. And in the country of Nigeria and Africa and the little village mm-hmm. on that same exact day, that same passages of scripture are going to be proclaimed. Mm-hmm. And in Southeast Asia and the Philippines and Cebu at the the cathedral or the Basilica of the Santa Nino, um, mm. there's the same scripture passage are going to be proclaimed, right? So like this whole idea of this lectionary, this universal lectionary, yeah. so that we're all sharing in the same uh, receiving of the word of God. And I sit there and I marvel, you know, the Sunday readings are on a three-year cycle. Let me go through Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and then John's always thrown in throughout the year. Mm-hmm. And and uh, daily mass readings are on a... Um, a yearly cycle for the gospel and then a two-year two yeah. biannual for the first reading. But in that, even the mystery of that, like where I come around and, you know, I'm come around the circle. So almost five times now, six times coming into my 18th sure. year of priesthood. And I'm sitting there going, and I look at the scripture passages and I'm like, I don't remember what I preached three years ago. Mm. Like what connection was made? Because there's growth, right? There's growth. This is a whole different season. You know, preaching during COVID was so different than preaching now and preaching before COVID was different than during COVID or now, you know, and every moment and every reality, that mystery of the word of God opening up and, Mm -hmm. and blossoming and saying, you know, I remember what I preached, you know, this and that. And like, where's the other little nuance that's coming into this? Yeah. And, um, I really appreciated it and understand in our formation early on in the priesthood, uh, talking to a a good older priest when he said, pick one thing in your homilies, in your sermons, pick one thing Mm -hmm. and present it well. He said, you will have many, many more opportunities to give your second idea or your third idea. Mm. He says, you don't have to give it all because you're going to give it a mile wide and an inch deep. Mm -hmm. And if you grab that one thing and you can bring it deep and bring the people with you into that depth, that's Mm -hmm. what you want to do. Because the mystery of the scripture is always going to be there. Mm -hmm. It's it's this font that opens up. And yeah, with the Holy Spirit and scripture, it's like, boom, there it is. Like, did I ever see that before? Have I ever read Mm -hmm. this passage before? I'm like, I know I preached on it like... For five times at least in my right. priesthood, and yet I, it's open, it's fresh in front of me, like I've never seen it before. Yeah. So, like again, the mystery of Jesus's presence, ever ancient, ever new. Yeah. Use the words of Saint Augustine. Yeah. There you go. Um, what advice would you give to anybody who's on the fence with respect to the Eucharist, Father? It, it's it's a couple of things. When we say the Eucharist, we obviously can be speaking about what we believe about it, in the sense of that the bread and the wine are no longer bread and wine, but become the body and blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. And that we receive into our flesh, his flesh. Mm. And that for a period of time, as it breaks down in our system, um, at a certain point when the host no longer looks like the host, um, his presence leaves, right? We don't digest the body of Christ, but his presence is with us for that period of time. So we speak about Eucharist, we speak about that. What's real faith in that? But also when we speak about the Eucharist, it's like it's the, the actual process 
the actual return of entering into the celebration. And I think they're both, they're both intimately connected because this renewal of Eucharist cannot be limited to simply, uh, you know, reaffirming uh, the real presence of Jesus. Yeah. Okay. That's a part of it. Um, but I can tell you, um, I had a, had an experience, I think it was like May in 2021. So following COVID and that kind of period sure. and stuff and just the Lord saying, Hey, come over to, come over to the church. I'm like, okay. So I go over to the church. It's not normal. Right. He doesn't just usually just here in the office work. And he's like, Anthony, come over and visit me in the church. I'm like, um, okay. Hey, uh, secretary. Hey, I'm going to go to the church for a while. Okay. Father, you know, I go over there and I go in the sanctuary and I'm yeah. there. I sit down in my chair and he's like closer. I'm like, okay. But I'm comfy. And if this is my oh. chair, I'm like, okay. So I get a stool out of the sacristy and I put it right up in front of the tabernacle, right up in front yeah. of the old all high altar. And I'm there. I'm like, okay, is this good enough? He's like closer. And I'm like, Jesus, you're being silly. Like I don't. So I go and get the tabernacle key, put it in the tabernacle, mm -hmm. open up the doors and I reach in and we have the Luna for the mm -hmm. adoration. So, right, right. The, the holder for that we put Jesus so that when we put him in the monstrance that he's done display and we can sit. So it doesn't fall them. out. Right. Yeah. Right. So I turn it around in the little holder and I'm standing in front of him and I'm like literally like a foot away. And I'm like, okay, are we good? And he's like, okay, that's close <laughs> enough. And, and see, it's just the funny, like that this is how he talks to me because sure. he knows my heart and sure. I like to be playful and he's very playful back to me in this way. He's like, okay, good. Close enough. I'm like, good. I'm like, what do you want? And he looks at me and, and he says to me, he's like, I want you to look at the bread. And I'm like, whoa, hey, hold on. I know who you are. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I know, Anthony, but just look at me prior to consecration. Like, mm -hmm. look at me before you call the Holy Spirit down mm -hmm. upon this bread. Like, look at me. What am I? What is this? And I'm like, your bread. And I'm like, so, so describe that. And so over the next minutes, I'm sitting there and I'm like, um, impotent. There's no power here. Stale. Impotent. And like, uh, uh, insufficient. Like, mm -hmm. like if I was hungry, you are not enough right now as bread to suffice yeah. my hunger. You, you, even this wouldn't suffice my human hunger, let alone any kind of spiritual hunger. If it's yeah. just bread, right? Insufficient, uh, impotent, insufficient alone. Mm. You are, there's no communion here. This is radical aloneness. Yeah. And last was like, you're, you're dead. There's no life here. Mm -hmm. And he's like, okay, good job. Good job. I'm like, oh, man, I felt like I was just grueled over right, like right. an oral exam at yep. uh, back in seminary days. You know, it's like, okay, good, good answer. I'm like, okay, good. He goes, now describe, describe me now after you call down the Holy Spirit upon me. And I'm like, upon the spread. And I'm mm -hmm. like, I'm like radically sufficient, I'm like radically sufficient, the smallest particle, mm -hmm. the smallest particle of a particle, because it's you and you are what I long for. It's mm -hmm. radically sufficient to meet and satiate the hunger and thirst that I have. Mm -hmm. um, it, you are, you're, you're powerful. <laughs> there's so much power here because there's so much humility, you know, like the juxtaposition yeah. of power and weakness is right here. You are so weak in this moment right here in your frailness. You are so powerful. Um, communion. Holy smokes. Like 
every tabernacle throughout the world, every host in yeah. the perfect union of the body and blood, soul and divinity of Jesus Christ. It is more perfect than any internet connection could ever produce. Yeah. And alive. Sometimes I don't think people remember that what we receive in the Eucharist is not the dead body of Jesus Christ because the body of Christ isn't dead. Yeah. That would he be creepy. Been, he is raised from the dead to die no more. Our Lord Jesus Christ is alive. And so what we receive is a living flesh, mm-hmm. a living body and blood of Jesus Christ. Yeah. So he's alive. And I was like, and he was like, good answer. Good answer. And I was like, okay, cool. All right. This is great. Any other questions on this exam? And he goes, all right. Now he says, he's like, who are you before the Holy Spirit has called upon you? Who are you before you are washed clean in the waters of baptism and the Holy Spirit's called upon you? And I went through the same litany. Sure. Impotent. I can't do this, Jesus. I can't even keep myself from sin at times. Yeah. Impotent. Insufficient. Oh, am I so insufficient yep. apart from you? Insufficient for every demand, every desire, every need that people have and want. I am so insufficient. Yeah. I am alone. For sure. And I am dead. And he goes, now, what happens when that same Holy Spirit transforms a single piece of bread into something so much radically different. What happens when my spirit comes upon you? Mm. And this was the hardest question of them all. Yeah. Because I was like, dare I hope and believe Mm. of the transformation that I know with the faith of the church takes place with all of my heart. And yet that same Holy Spirit comes upon someone who is made in the image and likeness of God, who has freedom and will and can love in his image and likeness, not a simple piece of bread, but, but someone made in his image and likeness. And that same Holy Spirit comes upon us to this radical transformation that he desires. So the miracle of the Eucharist is to be for the church, the mirror to which she sees in herself, what God in Jesus Christ, what he wants to do for his bride, the church, Mm. the the ultimate goal of receiving the, of of the consecration of the transformation is to be received. The ultimate end for Jesus making himself present is that you would receive him. Yeah. And dare you hope that that same transformation is in you. So I, the people that are struggling with the belief of the transformation that takes place, mm. because for whatever reason, I can't see it. I can't think it. It's so weird or, sure. or whatever. I, I dare say that they struggle as well yeah. to believe and understand who they are and the identity beloved. in Jesus Christ, that right. you are beloved, that, that something radical has taken place in you. Mm. We need this miracle like a mirror to say, dare I hope yeah. that this great transformation that you desire to do in me, like the, yeah. the destination of the Eucharist is you. Yeah. It's, it, it, it's, it's you. It's Your me. Heart, yeah. It's everyone. It, it's that's ultimately the destination Jesus wants to come to. And so this whole miracle is for our sake yeah. that we would see it, but also like the celebration of the Eucharist to in this moment, to be mm. one with Jesus in the one offering, one perfect offering of himself for the salvation of the world. He invites his bride into that, mm. excuse me, that we would be able to enter in 
and make a perfect gift of love through him and with him and in him. I think that that both and the yeah. real presence of Jesus in the universe, but who we have become as church, that in the celebration of the Eucharist, Jesus opens up his death upon the cross and says, be one with me yeah. again, just like you were in baptism, be one with me again and offer this perfect gift of love yeah. of yourself. Because it's not just Jesus who is offered because it's the head and the head is offered, the whole body is offered. Mm-hmm. And so we are not, Act, we are not innocent bystanders yep. to the cross or to the celebration of the Eucharist, but we are actively being offered yeah. to the Father in perfect love. And there's so many things I do every day that are not perfect. Mm-hmm. And yet there is one thing I know every day that I am invited into in which I can make a gift of perfect love mm-hmm. through him, you can with him, in yeah. and in him yeah. to the Father because it is right and it is just mm-hmm. every preface i love that it is right it's really and right just is truly yeah. right and just you know this is who we are we are a eucharistic people we are to give thanks for what god has done for yeah. us and so that the renewal of the eucharist i think is a renewal for people to understand you're not a bystander to something yeah. that jesus is doing yeah. but you are an invited active participant to make the very gift of yourself and the beautiful thing is mm. he invites us to die with him yeah. and yet live like, like I, the, the only, the perfect gift of love, there is no greater love than this, than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Yeah. I am invited into the perfect gift of love and I get to walk out alive yeah. and renewed in that Eucharist that I'm reminded of who I have become in Jesus Christ and the longing for the fullness of that. It's that, that morsel is that, yeah. is that touching of our heart mm. to say, I am meeting you not just in the spirit, but literally I am meeting you in your flesh for a period of time, a moment of time yeah. for the taste of what will be eternity when we enter into fully the wedding yeah, feast of the lamb, yeah. the wedding feast of the lamb. Yeah, that's a great point, Father. Um, saying not just, because the what is, it's a mystery, but also it's it's God doing what God does and to a, to a certain extent that's not mysterious at all. It's just God acting and doing things according to his nature. And that's that makes sense. I think, yeah, the, the call on revival, the call on um, Eucharistic uh, amazement, amazement, sure, whatever you want to, whatever you want to say, just is the is renewing our understanding of of the why, like why did he do this to begin with, yeah. right? Like the Eucharist, like why did he do this to right. begin with? And just like you said, it finds its completion in being received. Um, yeah, oh, because it, it, it's it's like the why, right? Because he wants his bride to share in everything. Yeah. It, why would he do this? It, the whole reason he did everything, because he could have simply had a meal that last Thursday and not done any of this stuff and then just died on Friday. Yeah. But he did this whole thing that the Eucharistic celebration in the context of a meal would be yeah. unified to his death upon the cross in a way that is so mysterious and mm-hmm. that we would be able to participate in it because we need to be able to give ourselves in perfect love yeah. to the Father. There's no, uh, yeah, yeah, just. Yeah, that's yep. where words kind of fail right yep. there. And that's perfect timing, right? Yeah. You know, Father, I just want to say thanks for joining today. Thanks for being on the show. And honestly, I just want to say that, yeah, I, I think that you just embody something as as priest, as father, um, that is unique. 
And I, I think uh, your witness to a desire to understand your people, uh, your desire to truly embody compassion unto your people, unto the people in your flock. I just want to say that I, from, from my perspective on the outside here, it's, it's unique. It's, it's somewhat unparalleled and um, it's just really refreshing. So father, thank you for, thank you for your, your pastorhood. Thank you for your, your shepherding. Thank you for uh, loving your people. Well, yeah. What an incredible gift. What an incredible call. Yeah. And yeah, I'm just humbled that, that that gets to be the call of my life. Yeah. So, yeah. You're the man. Is there a, where, where's the, um, do you have like a, a weekly young adult mass or is it monthly? Um, it, right now it's monthly. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And, uh, celebration and things, but, but yeah, kind of the daily mass in the parish has kind of become yeah the young adult mass in yeah. some sense. Nice. Um, being in the middle of yeah, the evening, you know, five fifteen, it's like trying to catch people in a place where there's that unique opportunity for that and yeah. to bring. So what an incredible blessing. Amen. Well, thanks for tuning in today, dear listener. I pray that this episode has really, truly blessed you. Um, if it has, I pray that you share it with somebody that you love and that you care about. You know what? How about this? Father, will you close us with a blessing? Sure. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we we bless you. We thank you for the gift of technology and all of this incredible uh, the opportunities of media to be able to share the story of a single person with so many other people. Father, we just I just ask your blessing upon all who hear these words today, and I just ask that the words may may touch their hearts, especially where there's hurt or wounds um, from the brokenness of uh, those who have gone before. And yeah, uh, your desire to draw people so close to you is so much more important than the personalities of a few. And, uh, and so, yeah, Father, just bless this day, everyone who hears these words. May they be encouraged, encouraged to, to ponder the mystery of Jesus' love for his bride, the church, in a general way for all of us, but in a particular way for each and every one of you. Father, just, just bless them. Bless them with a holy curiosity of this great mystery of, of the Eucharist and of who they have become in Jesus Christ. May they know their identity as beloved sons and daughters who are known and loved. And may they live their life from this place of redemption and salvation in the love of God and not be striving to be loved. May they know your mercy on this day and every day of their life. And may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit come down upon all of you and remain with you forever and ever. Amen. Amen. This has been New Mana. We'll see you next week. <laughs>